Scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. Let us listen to the word of God. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourself know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know the none, I know the not, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made for you, overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away from the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that th for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all that those who are sanctified. I coveted you no one's silver, gold, or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. The word of the Lord. What's your name? Evan. Let me ask you, Evan, who do you love more, your mom or your dad? My mom. Mom? Why do you love mom more? Because it's nicer, I think. And why can't you stand your father? I don't know. Sometimes he's rude, I guess. What's your name? Matthew. Matthew, who do you love more, your mommy or your daddy? My mommy. Let me ask you, who do you love more, your mom or your dad? Both. Yeah, but you only have one life preserver to throw them. Okay. Who's gonna get it? Mom. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yes. Who do you love more, your mommy or your daddy? Mommy. <laughs> Why? Daddy. <laughs> Who do you love more, your mommy or your daddy? Uh, mommy. Why does he hate you? He doesn't. He just loves, loves him more. Loves her more. That true? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Would you trade your dad for Spider-Man? Okay. Oh! <laughs> 
love more, your dad or your mom? <laughs> Both. Okay, a zombie is gonna come and eat one of your parents. Which parent do you want the zombie to eat? Dad or mom? <laughs> <laughs>thank you children and youth and college students um, on this mother's day uh, we just want to say can you turn to just a women and because we all had mothers we all have that in common and and that there are mothers who have worked hard and there are those truly who may not have given physical birth but they've been motherly figures to so many so for them we say happy mother's day to all of you and so that we just saw a video of who do you love more, mom or dad? And obviously it's both. But, but as a man, I'm going to share that statistics show women are definitely more favored than men in their homes. So, for example, the National Retail Federation says 76% of people plan to celebrate Father's Day. Do you know how many people plan to celebrate Mother's Day? 84% will spend well, time with Mother's Day. For mom, they're going to spend $25 billion this Mother's Day. For the dads, $16 billion. So almost half of what mom gets, the dad gets. So we get the leftover chocolate that's from Mother's Day. And so I, I think a word that comes to mind of why is that the case? Why do we have a more endearing like, affection towards mom than dad? 
And I think this word may capture it. And the word is nurturing. That, that, that moms are known for nurturing. Dads can nurture, sure. But something about being carried in their womb for nine months, <laughs> something about being fed by them, and, and just men can do it. And there are single dads who are doing this now, so I don't want to discount that. But the word that pops up, generally speaking, is this idea of nurturing. So there was a, the Handbook of Spiritual Development in Childhood and Adolescence has this sub-article inside, and let me read it for us. The importance of parents, dads and mom, but the, but the key role of moms. So it says this, when both father and mother attend church regularly, when both mom and dad go to church regularly, one-third, 33% of children will end up becoming regular churchgoers. They will have the faith. They will grow, and they will continue a third. 41% will be like irregulars, and 25% will not go to church at all. That's if both mom and dad go to church. But if the dad is irregular, goes, you know, CEO, Christmas, Easter only, and once in a while, um, there's a good potluck, then only 3% of children grow up to go to church regularly. It drops off that much when the dad is not a regular churchgoer. This is statistics. If the dad is not a Christian at all and not practicing, but the mother is, only 2% of their children will have a shot of either becoming Christian or going to church regularly. And 60% of their children will completely be lost to the church. That's stunning how important dads are. And that's another sermon in itself. But the reason why we go to church is not so we go to church, but we're also modeling. We're also nurturing. So here's why the women are important, even though dads make the biggest impact. Studies show, quote-unquote, based on research, women are more religious than men and attend worship services more often. And adults recall seeing their mothers pray more often than their fathers did. How many of you have seen your mom or dad pray? Just raise your hand. How many of you have been molded by, you know, your parents? You don't have to raise a hand, but all of you have been impacted. Right now, um, if you were to ask me, what is the secret of how you stayed in ministry? I'm not going to, this is not an embellishment. This is an honest fact. Number one, it's God's grace. Purely God's grace. Because I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. All the time. But the second, right after God's grace, and it's God's grace through this too, it's literally my mom's prayer every morning, 5 o'clock, for me and my brother and sister. I think that's single-handedly one of the reasons. She says, I'm always praying for you. She's like, are you eating? How are the kids? And then she says, I'm praying for you. It's the moms who hold down the fort to the next generation. When the dads are not there, they're the ones who are still committed to taking their kids to church. So, as a side, dads, we need to step up. It's not just nice to have a church affiliation. There's a modeling. But two, the moms are holding it down. And they are nurturers. So, where I want to take this is, did you know that the church is called to be a nurturing community for young generations? So it's not just the moms nurturing their children, but the church is called by God to be nurturers. And in today's text, there was a beautiful part in, at the end of Acts 20. Paul is about to leave forever. And what do the elders, grown men do? When's the last time you saw this? 
they are holding hands, praying and weeping. Honestly, when's the last time you saw grown men gather to cry and weep and pray together? Honestly. Ever? <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while since college. So why is that intimate moment disclosed in the scriptures? Because Paul invested so much as a spiritual father to the church of Ephesus. And Paul poured into them for three years nonstop for them to know Christ, to know the beauty, the gospel, the good news that God is for us, and God's grace overwhelms. And actually, that's how he ended up later writing Ephesians. And so this is why we're studying Ephesians, the letter that Paul wrote to a church he loves and a church that loves him. The spiritual nurturing. And I want to I say that the calling for the church today is, are you part of a church that spiritually nurtures the next generation? That's a simple question. Are we a church that spiritually nurtures the next generation? Uh, I've heard this a lot these days, and maybe you've heard it too. I don't need to go to church. It's just me and God. When I go to the beach, God is there, and that's my worship. I don't need to go to church. It's a personal faith. And that's not untrue. But when you read scripture like Acts 20, what do you see? Jesus did not save you so you just don't go to hell. Jesus did not save you so you go to heaven. He saved us to be a community, to nurture, lead, love, serve, feed, and care for the community around us. We conveniently take that part out because we want it to be selfish and we want God's benefits, but no sacrifice. And nurturing, how many of your moms have sacrificed for you? Can you raise your hands? Can you be a good mom without any sacrifice or nurturing and just say, you know what, I just had a kid because the kid makes me feel good. That's all I want. When I have to change the diaper, I just give it away. But I just like the kid for myself. You don't know any mom that talks like that. I don't know any mom that talks like that. But moms are sacrificing. They're the ones that don't get, I share this with their preschool. Children, do you ever sleep in the car? They're like, yes. When you sleep in the car, did you ever wake up in the bed? Yeah. How did you get there? Mommy? Exactly. When your mommy gets tired, who puts her in bed? No one. She's taking care of you. She's serving. She's sacrificing her time and her K-pop drama and, and movies and food and coffee time and wine time so she could put you in bed. But no one's there to say, hey, mommy, I'll take care of you. She's like the final last line. She sacrifices. And so when we think about nurturing, we think of people who sacrifice and give it all for the blessing of the person that they love. And so we see in Paul's final letter, well, not letter, in his final speech meeting with the Ephesians, a little speech, and he's saying a final words, you yourselves know where I've been. And, and I wanted to get insight of what does spiritual nurturing in the church look like? Would you join me in looking at that? So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts 20 with me, and we'll kind of skim through Paul's speech. And he starts with verse 18, this absolute transparency and consistency and intentionality of serving. 18, Paul says, you yourselves know how I lived among you. You've seen it. I didn't fake it. I, I can't fake it for three years. The whole time since the first day that I set foot in Asia, 
I, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. I'm so, I, I appreciate that. Because when I see young pastors, and they're like, Pastor Jason, ministry is hard. In the beginning, I used to be like, oh, I'll pray for you. But now I have no patience. And I'm like, duh, what did you expect? <laughs> what did you expect, people to worship you and bow to you? Ministry is the hardest thing you could probably do because you're dealing with sinners. You're dealing with people, and you're a sinner. Church is not easy. And so Paul is saying, I struggled through trials. I prayed, and I did it with humility. Verse 20, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public. So what Paul's saying here is, I lived among you. I didn't hide back. What you see is what you get. And I served you with intentionality, courageous, loving, and giving. You know, courageous spiritual nurturing doesn't back down from excuses. It doesn't say, well, I'm too busy for this. This is probably the most important. What you, we do at church as a community affects eternally for some other lives. And so we live in a time when people don't like accountability and, ex and make excuses. Well, I can't go to church. Well, I, I can't do this. Well, I can't be like you. You're a pastor. We make all these excuses, and I want to start with baseball. And I want to read you a poem from baseball. In all of life, when you make excuses, you don't get anywhere. And let me use this poem from baseball. Young man, you swung and missed the first strike, which was right down the middle. Chased a breaking ball in the dirt. And you watched the third strike go by because you thought it was just off the corner. And now you want to complain and blame your failure on the umpire. How about asking yourself why you missed the first one, chased the second one in the dirt, and why you took the last one with two strikes when it was that close? By the way, coaches hate that. You get two strikes on you. You, you can't watch a third strike. It, it's a baseball thing. Okay. Accountability, he says, is a tough thing, but completely necessary for growth and longevity. I'm going to read that part again. Accountability is a tough thing, but completely necessary for growth and longevity on and off the field. Blaming and complaining will get you nowhere. And the church said, amen. Until you learn to take full responsibility, you will be treading water. And what Paul says here is this, I was with you, I make no excuses, I'm there, I'm fully with you, and I want you to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, this profitable teaching that you need to have. I don't know what's more important in this world than to know Jesus Christ for young generation. It is not a college degree. It is not a six-figure salary. It is not to do just nice things. It is to know Christ and to make Christ known. This is the most important thing, and I don't know why we forget this. When a kid dies at the end of his days, we don't go, well, at least he was a master's degree in, in finance. When he dies, we say, praise God, that even in this death, Jesus Christ has a hold of him because he's a child redeemed by the blood of Christ. I don't know why we make excuses for ourselves. Why can't we get involved? Are we busy or are we making ourselves busy? Um, this is an indictment on the Presbyterian church. If you come to a Presbyterian church, you're at the risk of a, making a big sin. The big sin is this. When a baby is baptized, the church gets asked this question. Do you, members of the church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture, nurture, here's the word, nurture, so-and-so by word and deed with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and be faithful members of this church? And everyone says... 
Yes, but do you do it? Are you an observer or a participant in the nurturing of young and old people in your church? Or is it just the pastor's job? But when I read the Bible, the nurturing is not the pastor's job. It's the community's job. It's the mother's job. It's the father's job. And so we lie <laughs> and say, yes, I will nurture, I will pray. And we don't even know their names after the following Sunday. And so I've even turned down babe, infant baptism for parents. If you're not going to go to church and be steadfast, we're not going to baptize your baby. Because in our understanding of theology, baptism is not salvation. Baptism is the statement that God's claim on this child pre-exists before anything the child can do. And we hope the child will grow up in a community that loves and prays and serves so he or she will come to faith in Christ. And that is nourishment. And Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. So he, don't give him fluff. Don't give him just pizza. Give him something that can last eternity. And Paul says, I never held it back. And as my oldest goes to college, my greatest comfort and hope is that God, let her be in your hands. May the foundation have been laid by our modeling and by the mistakes and the grace exhibited in our lives, by the teaching, so that she is fully confident in you and you are holding on to her because now we can't helicopter her anymore. And so this is what Paul's saying to them. I was with you. I serve. It's like a nurturing parent. He goes on, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We see it again, a parent's heart. Um, parents, what motivates, well, moms, what motivates you when you were little, when the kids were little, to change their diaper? What motivated you to make sure that they had their formula and they, their laundry was made? I know. You ready for this? You got paid well. You were like, I want to take care of my kids because I know I'm getting a salary and I'm, I want to be rich. Yes? No. <laughs> what motivated moms? I couldn't even go on a road trip because Kathy was like, honey, we can't take three kids just on a spur of the moment overnight trip. We need diapers, formula, clothes, towels, everything. And I was like, you're right. I mean, moms are amazing. And dads are like me. I'm just oblivious. What motivates them to do this? It's the same motivation that Paul had. It was not self-preservation for sure. Yes? One thing we can say is it wasn't self-preservation. I do it because moms don't say, I do it because I know that this is the best way for me to have mental health. No, the best sleep. It was why? It was a sacrifice so that through giving up their life, that they could breathe life and raise life in health. Paul says, I do not account my life of any value. He's not saying my life is worthless. He's saying in light of all that I desire for you and what God is, who God is, I am glad to sacrifice. Can we say sacrifice? sacrifice for sake of others. And so he says, whether in life or in death, 
Christ be magnified through and through. This is what my prayer for my children and for our youth group and for adults and moms and dads and elderly would be. At the end of their lives, they could say, in life or in death, Christ be magnified through and through. This is the motivation of spiritual nurturers. This is what made Paul go. And he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. What is he saying? My motivation was not money. I'm sorry. I raised money. I had trips. But it wasn't for a sake of worldly gain. You yourselves know how these hands minister to my necessities. And he ends with this. I remember the words of Jesus as we help the poor, as we work hard. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Spiritual nurturers and definitely our moms. Moms are not waiting today on Mother's Day to say, today is the day I get paid back for all my hard work. In fact, you know what moms will go? Just don't leave a mess in the kitchen. Just please don't, you know, thank you. They don't, they may not have a reward day. They may have entitled spoiled brats who'll be like, all right, that's great, mom, whatever. See you later. Give me my money. Why do moms do it? Not for the reward, but in sacrifice, in giving and loving. Um, there was a story of a mom who put her son to bed on the eve of his fifth birthday. And she said, today you're four, tomorrow you're going to be five. And the kid just couldn't understand it. So she says, today you're going to sleep at four years old. When you wake up, you'll be five years old. And the kid's looking at her like, I, what? And the mom's trying to explain, and she's getting frustrated. And finally, he gets a look in his eye, and he finally gets it. And he explains, I get it. When I go to bed tonight, I will be four, but when I wake up in the morning, I will be a handful. <laughs> and so, like, obviously, this is a, just a cute little story, but I wonder how many moms are just like, Ugh! and they just like, give me my wine, go to bed, honey, just let me drive somewhere. And I see Christian joy and, and motivation is this selfless, sacrificing, nurturing. Why do we not have discipleship in this church? Well, is there sacrifice? Is there selflessness? Do we want to outsource it? Or did God call and equip those in here to be those who stand in the gap for families and other churches? Lastly, verse 28, Paul says, keep watch over the flock, yourselves in the flock in which the Holy Spirit set you as guardians. Feed the church of God, the church which he purchased with the blood of his own son. I know that after my departure, harmful wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And not only so, but from your own number, some will rise up and pervert the truth by their words so as to entice the disciples to follow them. Be watchful, therefore. Remember that for three years, night and day, I never cease to counsel each of you, weeping as I do. By the way, that last part just grabs me now. Weeping for those in our care. Paul wants to leave them with this commission. Go, be those who will fill my place and even do a greater job. And Jesus even says that, right? You will do even greater things than me. Like, how can we do greater things than you, Jesus? What is he talking about? I think he's talking about ministry and the church. He's talking about serving and nurturing. And we believe that God equips and calls those to this task. And so the question a lot of pastors and churches are asking is, where are the humble people 
who are looking after the old and the young? Where are those people who are saying, how can I serve the Lord and to keep watch over this flock? And so this verse 28 here is the reason why when we say, God and me, I go to the beach, he's there, I'm good, that's all I need. You don't understand Christianity. Because Paul is saying, keep watch over the flock. How can you do that if it's just a personal relationship? Feed the church of God. How can you do that if you're just feeding yourself? And Paul is saying to the leaders of the church of Ephesus, I'm not there. But because I trust God, I believe greater things can happen. Because you are there, put in place by God. And so pray that God gives you a motivation beyond yourselves. I see a lot of parallel here between moms on Mother's Day and the people that God is calling to raise and to say, be the church. How do we shift from just being church attendees and observers to participants in this life? And I think the secret was in what Paul said in verse 28. And we'll end with this. Can, can, I put, can you put verse 28 up here? Verse 28. I want to read it together. And the secret to that transition, it's not just let's get it right, but let's read it together. Here we go. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And there we see the power and the reason why. How do you have a selflessness and sacrifice? It's because the eternal one who created this universe sacrificed for you. You're not here by humanity's brilliant mind to create a religion. The religion wasn't started by people. It was the encounter, the witness of God coming down as man, and he died on the cross. So when I look at the people, here's what gives my heart a pastoral heart again. I may see Bill Locke. I may see a Dick Mosley, but what Paul is saying here is, see the person that Jesus Christ spilled his blood for. In the arena of the world where we have so much conflict and political rife, what if the first thing we saw was not a blue or red? What if it was looking at people who Jesus Christ spilled his blood for to be redeemed and to gather? That makes me see each one of us as precious, as people I need to nurture, people I need to serve. Because if Christ would serve to the end of his life for them, who am I to not serve? And so, moms, thank you for the living example you are to show what Christ has done for us. And moms, thank you for pointing us to the faith, if some of you have been here and by your mom, we thank our moms for that. And for the current moms and dads, how do we become nurturers so that the next generation never forgets this good news that God has given to us through his son? Let's pray. God, let us be in awe of you. And if these moms were a glimpse of this sacrifice, how much more are you the God who took on physical form 
to have teenagers change your diaper, to grow up, to be whipped, beaten, betrayed, nailed to the cross, to die. God, we are in awe of you. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you that we don't have just mom and dads, but we have so many parents. We have so many brothers and sisters that can nurture one another. So God, how do we become a church or help us to become a church that doesn't just merely gather, but we mesh, we serve, we lift up, we look out for one another. Maybe at the end of our lives, God, if we won't see one another again, we will be able to pray and cry and weep. Just thankful for the people that you put in our lives to nurture us like Paul does. May we be like Paul as we become like you, Jesus, and realize this is what you did for us. So thank you, Lord. We close with the prayer that you taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.